You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, October 24th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast it's Slash Film News Writer, Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? It, it's Monday, Ryan, which means you're on here to talk to us about box office. And this weekend, we actually had a bigger movie come out, Black Adam. We did. After uh, literally, and you, credit where credit is due, Peter, if you recall, 15 years ago, you're the man that broke the story that uh, the Ro- Dwayne The Rock Johnson was going to play Black Adam as opposed to Shazam. Yeah, uh, it, back then it wasn't even a huge news story, too, which is kind of crazy. Like today, like anything that's superhero related is like the hugest news story ever. But back then he was he was not The Rock. I mean, he was The Rock. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like the, well, he, the movie well, star he was. I think the difference back then is he was The Rock and he was not Dwayne Johnson to anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, but I remember last week when I talked to you, you were saying 55 to 60 million is what you thought this weekend it did slightly higher yeah that was sort of in the projections i thought it might go a little higher and it did 67 um which which essentially made it match aquaman um it was it was above shazam which is good um it debuted to 140 total worldwide which again is good the problem is the movie's got like a 195 million dollar production budget so You've got to really have some staying power in the coming weeks to be able to justify that kind of budget. 
Um, as we know, critics were not very kind to it, but the audience score was pretty good. It's got a B plus cinema score. So with a lack of major competition for the next few weeks, like the next big block, big blockbuster isn't until Black Panther Wakanda forever. It, it could easily make its money. Um, you know, you're probably looking at for this to not be a disappointment for Warner Brothers, you probably needed to make 500 million worldwide. And honestly, they would probably prefer it make more. Um, so, you know, it's got a long road to go, but uh, not a bad start. Um, do, do you think Warner Brothers is happy with this number? I mean, just for context, it's the biggest domestic debut for any movie The Rock has ever done. You know, so I mean, so, you know, they is it they, really it, wow. it is really. Well, he, you gotta understand that one of the big things with The Rock is he's been a global star, you know, so he's definitely had movies do well domestically, but he's, a lot of his movies have done, you know, big numbers in the States, but like bigger numbers internationally. And the other thing is you gotta understand a lot of his biggest movies are like within the Fast and Furious franchise, and those have always been global plays. And like the Jumanji movies did gangbusters overseas. Rampage did gangbusters overseas. So it's the power of The Rock extends well beyond the domestic box office. Crazy. Um, what What do you think it's – like obviously the, the critical response to this movie is not high, but you said uh, the audience score is a little bit higher. What do you think we're going to see it drop to next weekend? Um, I, I would expect like a pretty standard, like 55 to 60%, you know, drop. Um, I'm not sure what, uh, release dates, like, uh, I'm not sure where it still has to open internationally. I'm going to check that right now, actually. Oh yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is, uh, the only, the only real one is you got Japan on December 2nd. Every it's pretty much opened in every other big market. So, so I mean, uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, I mean, so you got most of your major markets. So, I mean, you're looking at if you can if you can leg out to three, three times what it made, you know, you're still not at 500. So, yeah, it's got it's got a road. It's got a road to go. I mean, if you listen to The Rock, it's an integral part of the future of the DC universe. It's the, the so I mean it, it's gonna have a long long legs on uh, streaming and Blu-ray. If, if yeah, but when, but, when, but when you spend one hundred ninety-five million dollars on a movie plus marketing, I mean you need it to be a theatrical hit. You can't rely on those secondary streams. Yeah. Okay. So what what else came out this weekend? Or what, uh, so, what, what, so in, in my mind, the big thing this weekend was Ticket to Paradise, which was we knew Black Adam was gonna make money. We knew it was gonna be. We knew it was going to be the, the winning movie this weekend. This was the weekend everyone had marked on their calendars because it had been such a dry couple of months. But Ticket to Paradise is a rom-com starring Julia Roberts and George Clooney. These are not two stars who have been overly present at the box office recently, but they're still big stars nonetheless. Well, it came in at number two with $16.3 million. The bigger thing is that this has already been doing big numbers overseas, and it's already made $80.2 million overseas, so it's at $96 million already. And against a $60 million budget, it figures to have legs. If it gets to 180, which it should easily do, that's three times that budget. So when you look at a movie like Bros, where everyone's like, oh, the rom-com's dead. No, it isn't. This is a very good thing. Because, you know, we know superheroes are going to make money. They've been propping up the box office for at least two years. Other than that, horror continues to make money. And we can get to that in a second. But, like, if you can, you know, get A-list star rom-coms making this kind of money again, that's a good thing. 
And if you couple that with what the Lost City of Z did earlier this year, it's really just about making the right kind of movie. Not every rom-com is a good theatrical release, but the right (laughs) rom-com is a very good theatrical release. Yeah, and it it also seems to solidify the fact that, uh, you know, A-list stars, while it doesn't mean as much domestically, still seems to be a big impact internationally. A hundred percent. And again, like, you know, stars still do have power. Like George Clooney and Julia Roberts, like together, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of global star power for sure. That said, if you told me, you know, 10 years ago that they were going to come out with a movie and it was was only going to do $16 million with George Clooney and Julia Roberts, I might not have believed you a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, but but I still think, you know, to me, that's still good. And again, it, it, so that that was the big thing. The other big thing I guess we should talk about is um, uh, Terrifier 2, uh, which is kind of doing something that really no movies ever do. Uh, Terrifier 2 is a two hour and 18 minute slasher sequel that is that went to theaters unrated, basically had no marketing budget, a sequel to 2016's Terrifier. Uh, a, a, what's what's bolstered this movie is there has been reports of people vomiting and fainting in screenings. Uh, so it kind of went a little viral. Well, this weekend it made one point eight nine million dollars in its third weekend, getting an eighty three point nine percent boost from the weekend prior. Uh, it has now made $5.25 million uh, against a $250,000 budget. Uh, it's looking like it might get released in some overseas markets and it and theaters continue to book it because people are continuing to see it. So I don't know how much money this movie is going to make, but it is a true word of mouth success story. And that's kind of cool. That That is cool. And it, it seems like uh, looking at the top 10, there's a lot of horror here. I mean, I guess it's just the season of it. It is the October. season of it. Yeah, because Smile continue, Smile is about to become the biggest horror original horror movie of the year. It finished at number three with $8.3 million, actually coming in above Halloween Ends. <laughs> so Smile's in its fourth weekend. Halloween Ends only made $8 million in its second weekend. Halloween Ends dropped 80%. And let's not forget that it's streaming on Peacock, and I don't know to what degree that impacted it, but there is no question now that that Peacock release definitely cut into the ticket sales there. So, um, but either way, I mean, you're looking at, you know, horrors propping up the top 10 in a big, bad way. And Barbarian just slipped out of the top 10 this week, um, and it crossed 40 million domestic. So Barbarian's doing well. Very much, very much the season of horror, to be certain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move away from box office and let's talk about some of the news that hit over the last couple of days. There's actually been some interesting stuff, uh, including Star Wars and Conjuring. Let's start first with Star Wars. We had heard reports that Damon Lindelof was working on a Star Wars movie for some time. I don't think uh, it was ever officially confirmed by Lucasfilm. Uh, no, it wasn't confirmed. It, it, this has been rumored for a long time. Yeah, uh, but over the weekend, we did get a news report from The Hollywood Reporter uh, confirming. I mean, I guess they already, The Hollywood Reporter had already confirmed this. Uh, but David Lindelof's Star Wars movie has found a director. And this is uh, it, it, this is a weird choice, to be, to be honest with you. Charmaine obeyed Chinoy. And if you ha- uh, don't recognize that name, uh, I don't blame you. So, uh, she was a director on uh, Miss Marvel. But before that, she was a like she it was a documentary film. Like she, um, well, first of all, she's a, a Pakistani Canadian uh, journalist uh, who became a filmmaker, and she 
She's won six Emmy Awards. She's uh, she's won a a, a, t- a ton of like she um. Well, she's man. a highly decorated filmmaker. She won six a- Emmy Awards, two of which are for the International Emmy Award for uh, for current affairs documentary category. And throughout her career, she has had many records. She has even won an Oscar for the for a nonfiction film. She's the first non-American to win the Livingston Award for Young Journalists. She she also has a couple animated movies that she directed so so she's by saying that she's an odd choice for this to me it's because she doesn't have a lot of narrative feature fictional work to you know she has a couple animated films and she's really a document documentary filmmaker is her background it's been a lot of it sure yeah um but by me my me saying it's a weird choice doesn't mean that it's a bad choice let me let me clarify there uh it's just not the well the other thing is okay let me let me let me uh let's take a step back here uh, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy have gotten a lot of flack over them, uh, how the Star Wars business has been run. And, you know, there's been a lot of directors hired that have either left the projects, been fired off the projects, you know, uh, Josh Trank, uh, the uh, Lord Miller, uh, you know, there's been a t- ton of like stuff like that. It, it really felt to me like Kathleen Kennedy uh, with her move to, to hire, you know, to replace Lord and Miller with uh, Ron Howard, it really felt to me like they were trying to go with more like um, seasoned, seasoned sure, people. Sure, sure, totally, totally. I, so, I see what you're saying. So w- w- hiring Charmaine seems seems like a, like an odd choice because it, like she seems like not the seasoned. Uh, well, I mean, she is seasoned, but seasoned in a different. Well, th- this is also the thing that seems interesting to me is like. I'm betting she was hired because of her, her like uh, resume. Do you know what I mean? And I'm betting this film. We don't know what this film is. I mean, da- all we know is Damon Lindelof is, is writing it, and co-writing it. We don't even know who the co-writer is. We know it's a Star yeah. Wars movie, but this makes me interested. What kind of Star Wars movie is this, Ryan? I think that's. I think that's what. I think that's ultimately because I was like dying to chime in there, but I really think <laughs> that like. You're right. It's an odd choice, but I also think that that's an interesting choice, and I'm here for that. Uh, given what Damon Lindelof did with Watchmen, something I never thought should have happened, um, that show ended up being terrific. Um, so I would trust him very much to dive into that sandbox. But I also get the sense that a guy like Lindelof might not do a bigger scale story. Like I would get the sense that that might be more of a character focus sort of thing. Um, and, and in that case, Charmaine to me seems like someone who could maybe, you know, cause, cause a lot of her documentary stuff has been very character focused, you know, despite the fact that it is real world, she knows how to sort of tell a story in that way. So to me, this sort of signals like that to me is connecting dots about the types of stories that they're going to tell here. And this to me could be very, very much a character piece. And then in that case, she would make an interesting pairing with Lindelof. So, you know, I'm more intrigued by this than anything else. No, no, I'm I'm very intrigued. Uh, I mean, anything you put Damon Lindelof's name on, I'm intrigued. But like, it, it, this seems like such an interesting choice uh, for a Star Wars movie. And of course, it, it's in the scripting phase, so they don't even have a script right now. The- right there, there's like four Star Wars movies in the scripting phase right now. I still don't think Disney knows what they're going to do next, and I think what they're doing is just fielding some ideas and seeing what they spark to. 
Yeah, uh, but the, the the thing here is bringing Charmin in at this point in the scripting phase means that you're involving the director in the script writing process, which is always a good thing, uh, rather than hiring them after you have a script and then like. Oh yeah, well, them. well, because I think I think Lucasfilm's a little bit seen the folly of sort of you know developing a script and then bringing in directors and then kind of like having a bit of a culture clash there. Like, so if you kind of have a team on board from the beginning, maybe it makes it easier. Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I think, I don't know. The other thing, like, you know, because it's in the script from face, we don't know if this is ever going to happen. This could be just some, like, this is also so, uh, the reason why you didn't see Lucasfilm announce this at Celebration or D23. They could have brought Damon Little out. Yeah, from stage, it's right? early. It's early. Yeah. They don't know, like, it's too early to tell. It's too early to do anything. It's too early to say anything. What we know is that it's happening, you know, and that and that's enough. That's enough for right now. <laughs> so, so what, what kind of movie would you want from 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 this team? I don't know anymore. I don't know. Star Wars is a bit mysterious to me. Like, <laughs> like, because, you know, we're living in a world where a Boba Fett show and an Obi-Wan show let me down pretty bad. And uh, an Andor show is like reviving my love for Star Wars, you know? So that is, it's weird. It's a weird time to be a Star Wars fan. And, and so I think Andor has made me reconsider a lot. Um, the types of things I, I think that I think what I've realized is that they're almost too precious with the legacy characters. Like they're almost playing it too safe. And you know, there's almost like a weird, like, well, what if we do this? Oh no. But you know, it's almost like they're gun shy about what way to go about things. Um, yeah. Whereas I think with Andor, it's like, well, you know, there's, I mean, he was in rogue one and he died. So I think like, you know, there was less preciousness from Lucasfilm's part about that character and those characters. And that's resulted in a much better story and a much better looking show and a, and a lot of things. So, so I guess for me, no matter what, give them a new character, give them old characters. I don't care what you do. I just want them to be able to allow an exploration of the universe that is not like hindered by you know, a, a corporate fear of what to do with that character. I'll, I'll say this, uh, talking purely about D Damon Lindelof's filmography, what he's been involved in. I, I'm a Lindelof fan and I love when he gets ambitious, y you know, f from lost to even, even the stuff that people don't like, like Prometheus, I love, or, you know, Watchmen people love, uh, but I love when he tries to get ambitious with, with with what he does, and I hope, I hope whatever this is in Star Wars is not just a small character piece. I feel like it, it needs to be something like mind bending and being well, like, but what I'm I never is, expected this from the Star Wars universe. I I right. want that from Lindelof. What I'm saying, character piece though, I'm not necessarily it's got to be small. But what yeah. I'm saying is like, because Watchmen was not small, you know, but it was very much a character piece with some superhero stuff in it. And so I think like the idea of like, you can go big with character stuff, you know, but like, I'd still think it would be more character driven than it would be like spectacle driven would be my guess. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but we'll be keeping an eye on this. And I'm, I'm sure any news uh, we'll, <laughs> in the future we'll end up talking about here. Uh, but you should definitely check out her filmography. It's very interesting. Uh, head on over to IMDb. She's uh directed a bunch she's also produced a bunch yeah uh, check out some of the stuff that uh she's directed because it's it's very wide-ranging like the, the the two animated 
uh, things that she's done is, is v- very interesting. And let's not discount Miss Marvel either. That was a really good show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she directed, I think, the uh, not the finale, but the two episodes leading into the finale. Which I which thought were some of the better episodes. Yeah, 100%. Um, she, she's a talent for sure. And uh, it, 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 the thing I love is when a filmmaker like this gets signed on for like a Marvel or Star Wars movie and then you have all the Star Wars and Marvel geeks like you know watching movies that they would have never watched going in you know watching like a documentary and international you know what I mean like I love that it exposes uh geek culture that are usually looking just at the big movies to like the uh, some of the more interesting smaller movies yeah I agree so. it's it, it it shines a light on it shines a worthy light for sure yeah. Um, okay. Uh, our final story for today is The Conjuring. Is uh, it our final story? Oh, never mind. Go us. <laughs> well, because I was, I was. Are we not going to talk about the big thing that broke before we before we jumped on today? Oh, I didn't even say. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't even know what that is, but okay, we'll talk about this before that. That's a tease. That's a good tease. Oh, okay. Today. Sorry. Okay, I'll take the lead on that. Sorry, Peter. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I was working on this the show notes for this, so I, I didn't see what broke. So okay, you're gonna yeah, you'll take the lead on that. So I'll tell you about this. Uh, this is the Conjuring Four. They are making it, and the Warrens are returning. Uh, so basically. Well, now you've got me wondering what what broke while we were th- okay. Uh, so <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter broke this, and Conjuring Four is officially in the works at New Line Cinema. It's being written by David Leslie and uh, Leslie Johnson McColdrick. Sorry, he's got the uh, biggest name in Hollywood. That yeah. guy's got yeah. That guy's got like a, a lot of vowels. Yeah, uh, he wrote the last two entries in the mainline series and the upcoming Aquaman and the Lost City. And uh, yeah, we don't know anything about this. We do know that they hope that Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga reprise their roles as the 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 real life duo of paranormal investigators, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And uh, we, we really don't know much else. We don't know if uh, James Wan is going to come back. He directed the first two entries in the series. I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Ryan. I've only seen the first two. I didn't watch the other two. Michael Chavez, I think, took took over with The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. And uh, yeah, Michael Chaves did The Curse of La and and Devil Made Me Do It. And then and then you had uh, the Annabelle again. movies. I, I don't want to miss. I don't want to mispronounce the thing. I'm going to say that again. Uh, hold on. I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. I've only seen the first two entries in the series directed by James Wan. Uh, Michael Chaves took over with 2021's Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It and a couple of others. Uh, and there's you know other directors that have circled the Conjuring universe. That, uh, yeah, but I've not heard so many good things about the the other two main entries of the conjuring uh franchise i'm sure you've seen them all i have yeah so so let me tell you let me tell you this the conjuring the conjuring two bona fide classics straight up um they're great the first annabelle terrible uh annabelle creation one of the best (laughs) like one of the biggest improvements from a original to a sequel like annabelle creation is stunningly good for how bad that first one was um and that was directed by david f sandberg which essentially got him the job on shazam um now then you had the nun 
which is uh, still to this day the highest grossing entry in all of the Conjuring universe by quite a bit. Um, uh, and it's also the worst movie, which is kind of fascinating. Um, and then you had The Curse of La Llorona, which was directed by Michael Chaves, and that got him the job on The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And then you had Annabelle Comes Home, which was a lot of fun. So I think like the hit ratio has been pretty good with these. Um, as far as The Conjuring 4 goes, of course they were going to make this. These movies have made $2.1 billion at the box office against less than $200 million of combined budgets. Yeah, that's happening. No question. What would you like to see more or less of in this franchise? Mm, I mean, as of right now, I'm mostly on board with most of this. The only two movies I've outright not liked were Annabelle and The Nun. Um, you know, so for me, like... I think I think the one thing that they talked about at one point, if you remember The Conjuring 2, there was The Crooked Man in The Conjuring 2, and they talked about giving The Crooked Man a spinoff, and that would be more of like a fantasy horror, and I would be all about that sort of thing. So that Aubrey probably wouldn't be good for like a Conjuring 4 type thing, but I would I would be okay with a little bit more like, you know, getting getting a little bit more creative with like the main creatures instead of having it just be a demon or something. Yeah. Um, so, but... but um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 on board. Whatever whatever they do, I most of these have been pretty good. So so I'll like I even have faith in the nun too, just because the jump between Annabelle and Annabelle creation was so good that like if the nun can go from like being bad to like the nun two being really good, like I'm all for it. Let's see what happens. Ryan, you're gonna hate me here, but I'm surprised Warner Brothers hasn't tried to make a spinoff of this into a streaming series. Oh, I wouldn't be. I mean, the only reason. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens at some point. The only problem is that you would have to get Patrick Wilson and or Vera Farmiga to at least almost do like a young Indiana Jones adventures type of like wraparound or something where they like, they're telling stories and like, and then it becomes like an anthology series within the conjuring universe or something. Oh, um, but you could have them come in for like a week and then film yeah, all those. Yeah, and just pay and... him a good chunk of dough and let them. I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that as long as they don't stop doing the movies as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think, I, I mean, I think from a return on investment standpoint, other than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Conjuring Universe is the most successful cinematic universe we have. Is that really true? I mean, I mean, uh, would you consider the Fast and the Furious in a cinematic universe? No, I mean, they it's, did have a it's, it's just sequels and one spinoff. I think that's all just a straight line <laughs> franchise. Um, I think, uh, I think, like the monster verse is pretty close with like the Godzilla movies, but but the return on investment on those is nothing compared to what the return on investment is for the Conjuring universe. So, like, I and and yeah, I I I, I I've said it a lot and I've, in a lot of writing officially. I think it's by far the 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 next most successful cinematic universe out there. I think that would shock a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. You're not going to kill your golden egg. You're not going to give your golden egg. I don't know what the analogy is here. You, you're not going to give your golden egg away for free uh, or for, for discounted rate on streaming service. So I don't yeah. see them like, you know, turning again, you, on during You could expand the idea. You could expand yeah. the idea. Again, you could easily have like a Twilight Zone-esque uh, like anthology series that you do eight episodes of, you know, and you do a little hour long, you know, tales from the crypt type, you know, um, uh, war from the case files of the Warrens or whatever you want to call it. But like, so sure. But then you don't, you don't, don't you dare take those movies out of theaters because they're making <laughs> a ton of money. 
Yeah, they're they're definitely not going to do that. Okay, uh, Ryan, you teased it. There, there's some story that broke right before we were about to record. I don't even know what you're going to tell me. What's going on? Well, it's it's kind of the worst kept secret in Hollywood right now. Future Peter here. I'm inserting a spoiler warning for the following story because if you have not seen Black Adam or you have not read the buzz of what happens in Black Adam, then you might want to tune out now because then the following story is kind of a spoiler for Black Adam. You have been warned. But Henry Cavill has officially announced his return as Superman. Um, Following the release of Black Adam this weekend, uh, Henry Cavill took to Instagram to show himself in costume and said a little message to his fans that he is officially back as Superman. Uh, This is no longer rumor, no longer hearsay, no longer... This is Henry Cavill saying straight up he's back. Um, part of what he said is I wanted to wait until the weekend was over before posting this. So I, I wanted everyone, uh, I wanted to give you all a chance to watch Black Adam. But now that plenty of you have, I wanted to make it official. I am back as Superman. He also billed this as a very small taste of what's to come. Uh, so, you know, this is not a little cameo. This is not a little, you know, we are, we are for real getting a lot more Henry Cavill as Superman, whatever that may mean. But he has confirmed it. It is, we're done. This is happening. Let's make our peace with it. That's it's so weird, Ryan. Like it feels like they need to move past this this, you know, Zack Snyder created DCEU, but they keep they can't stop they can't stop using these people. They can't like they can't end it. They can't restart over. What 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 is going on here? Well, it depends it depends to what degree the flash ends up being a reset, but I think the big thing is that like Henry Cavill is one of the most popular stars on the planet right now. And yeah. I just, he hasn't had, you know, Man of Steel was, Man of Steel was a, was a modest success given its budget. And, you know, it didn't do great critically, but it's been reappraised a lot, I think, over the years. And then like, you know, Batman v Superman was what it was. Justice League was what it was. And then Henry Cavill's just been on the sidelines. But if you look at like, you know, the, the Zack Snyder's Justice League being sort of embraced critically, and Cavill's star power growing in the time since he last put on the suit five years ago. Um, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think the other thing is Henry Cavill's 38 years old. Uh, you know, if you were going to do this, now's the time. Um, uh, so uh, I think rather than reboot, rather than do this, you 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 take a couple shots with Cavill. You make Man of Steel 2, you maybe throw him in a couple of other movies before you end up doing an inevitable, eventual hard universe reset, you get some money in the meantime. Makes sense to me. I don't know. It all seems crazy to me. It it, it seems like at this point, it, 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 it's it's the time that we got to like, I, I guess you can't cut off like Aquaman or Wonder Woman. Like those well, that's things the, that's the problem. Money. They're still anchored to that universe, whether uh, or not you bring Henry Cavill back. True. True. So, you know, if you have, I mean, and look, I can tell you anecdotally, like at this point, it's not a spoiler. People know what the hell happens in that post credit scene. I'm not going to, but like, but um, when I was in the theater of Black Adam, like, you know, I was in a very tepid regal cinema, you know, like people just like, okay, the movie's happening. That post credit scene happened. That tepid theater came alive. People went nuts, <laughs> you know? So like, uh, and even me, I was like, I didn't, I knew it was happening. And even once I saw it, I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool to see. I'm, 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 you know, cause I think I've famously said I'm not a Superman guy, but I think we literally, like, if you look at Henry Cavill, you go, that's Superman. Oh, you know, he's like, a great Superman. Like, so I think the man outside, you, you talk, take the business out of it, take, 
take the Snyderverse of it all, take out of it. That dude deserves another shot. That dude deserves a chance to get it right. So to me, this makes sense. Okay, that does it for today's Slash Home Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashHome.com. You can find this podcast in Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashHome.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.